0: Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Welcome to our show. It's for you. Those of you that work so hard for your money and you're now sick and tired of working so hard, you want your money to start working harder for you right now. You want that freedom. You want that cash flow, that prosperity right now, today. So you can live that life that you love with those you love. But it's not just by getting rich, is it? It's about living a rich life because as you're blessed financially, you now have a greater capacity to bless the lives of those around you. That is exactly what this show is for. Thank you for tuning in, for creating your own ripple effect throughout your life and allowing me to do so through you as well. If you have not done so already, check out our website, moneyripples.com. On there, not only can you take a passive income calculator to be able to figure out how much passive income you can create in the next year, 12 months or so, but you can also learn about other things like infinite banking and other things, even get the transcriptions of these podcasts so that you can deepen your understanding of these concepts and principles. So check that out right now. Hey, how amazing would it be if you could create monthly cash flow, passive income from making at least double-digit returns on your money and get this? It's only a thousand dollars or more that you need to invest. Guys, that's exactly what Secured Investment Corp. does they actually do short-term lending to real estate investors that's backed by real estate that you can actually return double-digit returns on. That means 10% or better. It's also IRA friendly. And you can even reinvest those monthly distributions to create compound interest on your money too. If you want to learn more about that, go check out securedinvestmentcorp.com. That's secured, S-E-C-U-R-E-D, investmentcorp.com. Today, guys, I want to talk about something that one of my team members brought up and I thought was a great topic. And in fact, it aligns with many of the questions that our clients, our VIP clients and our, that hire us for consulting, they've been asked the same thing as well, which is what are the best recession resistant investments right now. Now, the question you have to ask is that's right now, right? That's the key word, the key phrase that goes with that, because the truth is every recession is different. No one recession is the same. What would have been great last recession would probably not be good this recession. And so I want to first teach you the principles of what to look for first and how to really analyze an investment to know whether it's a good investment right now. And then second. I'll give you my favorites. That doesn't mean this is an investment recommendation by any means, shape or form. Consider this your disclaimer. This is not to be considered investment advice. This is just what I'm seeing right now based on current conditions. But I want to teach you the principle first, because even if it's another recession, maybe you're listening to this 10 years from now, and there's another recession down the line, you can be ready to be able to make the right call for you. I'm going to give you five key points, five things. Now there's more than this, of course, but I'm just giving you at least a good start, right? If you go this far, in fact, with your due diligence and how you ask questions, guaranteed, you're gonna come out better than almost anybody that's doing this. And what I've learned is some of the best ways to learn how to invest is learn from banks. Now, I don't mean the banks have been gambling and doing some high-risk stuff with their money, and of course, that's gonna happen. I'm talking about the banks. Usually, they're more like the regional banks. Sometimes they're larger banks too. But if you really learn from how banks invest, Specifically, how they invest in you when you try to borrow money from them, you can learn about a lot about whether you should invest money in that. Now, I'm going to say, as a blanket statement, generally speaking, when you buy real investments, right, real assets, things like real estate, if I were to say, like, throughout all the recessions, what's the one investment type that probably will hold true? It's going to be things like your real estate investment properties, right, the ones that you own and control. I definitely recommend doing more turnkey real estate where somebody else manages it for you. But even if you did that, the great thing is if something goes wrong, even with the management company, you could always fire them and you could become the property manager, save some money and make some more in case you need to. There's a lot more flexibility there. And as a general overall rule of thumb, I would say that's probably the more recession resistant type of investment, even though they can have hard times too. But I want to go back to this again with actual banks. What do they do? So if you go and asking for money from them, just like an investor might ask money from you, you're, they're going to be asking you a few questions, right? If you've ever done any kind of bank loan, like a mortgage, auto loan's not so bad or credit card's not so bad. But if you ever try to get a mortgage, man, those banks will, metaphorically speaking, kind of have you drop your pants like you're at the doctor's office and they want to do a full exam, don't they? They want to financially check you out. So the first thing to look at, we talk about credit scores. Now, credit score is not the most important, but it's definitely a factor. Credit score is a big one, especially when you're looking to invest, because what's a credit score for looking at an investment? It's looking at their track record, their history, just like how well have you made payments on your loans? How well have these investors made payments to their investors, right? How well these operators paid them to their investors, to those people that have given them money that they're investing with, you know, when things got hard, what did they do? Were they willing to dip in their own pocket and make things good? we were just doing a call with some of my clients, though, the ones that have been around for over six months. You know, They keep us on retainer at that point. We were talking about that. And one of them said, yeah, there's one deal this guy did. Very experienced, but even he ran into some obstacles. And then he followed up with, well, he still made it right. So we still got our money back, but it was a little bit scary. He didn't pay us for a few quarters. That can happen. Even to the best of investors, crap can happen, right? Se- things can go wrong. But what's great is, is that this investor, this operator, which I know he's one of the people that we've referred clients to before, he's been doing this for over 20 years and he loves to make sure that people get what they paid in. Even if it met, it comes out of his own pocket. Those are the kind of investors that I love. That's why we've curated a list of these kind of investors over the years, just to make sure that it's not just by getting return on your money, but most importantly, return of your money. And that's really what banks are looking at when they look at your credit score. They want to see what's the likelihood you're going to pay them back. Same thing when you're investing, what's the likelihood? What's the track record of the people you're investing with that are likely to pay you back? Does it mean it's guaranteed? No. But does that ensure you and give you a little extra peace of mind? Yes. So that's number one. Number two that banks will look at for you is cash reserves. How much cash reserves do you have on hand? Do you have extra savings? So in case you can't make payments because of, Cash running out, maybe you got laid off from a job or something like that. Do you still have the ability to keep paying your payments for a certain amount of time? That's critical, especially when you're investing with investors. Do they have cash reserves involved? Do they have money there? Do they have liquid cash assets that they can keep things running in case things don't go their way? Most good operators will usually, even if they take investment money from you, will take some of that money, put it in cash on the side, just as operating capital, just in case they need a little extra money case things don't always go the exact right way. They want to make sure it's good. So do they have extra reserves? There was one group that our clients have talked to. And when we're on a call, grilling them with questions, when they were talking about them, they said, well, how much cash do you have? How much do you have on the sidelines? They said, well, we've got about $15 million of our own money. But then they brought up another thing. And actually, I'm going to throw this as an extra bonus. I said five things. This will be like a little sixth here, even though it's kind of ties in with one of them as well. He also said, here's a great thing too, is that, when we buy our properties, we buy them with a lot of equity in them. If you ever get a mortgage on a property, notice that banks will give you a lower interest rate if you put more money down on the property, meaning that there's more equity there. So, if you ever can't make the payment, that bank—let's just say it's a five hundred thousand dollar home—but you only ask for a two hundred fifty thousand loan, right? Just half of that. You cover the other two fifty. You put it down. Now, if something goes wrong and you can't make those payments. And even if the market goes down, let's say it goes down 10%, the house is still worth 450000 only lost 50000 but you only owed the bank 250000 Well, the bank knows they can still turn around, sell the property, get their money back, and then some by foreclosing on you, right? That's safer. As a result, they're more likely to give you the loan and they're likely to give you a better interest rate. Key thing with banks, they'll pay you a lower interest rate or they'll request a lower interest rate from you if you basically put less risk on them. The riskier it is, the more they charge you. That's why credit cards are the highest charge because there's nothing there, right? So just be aware, this guy, when he said that, he said, well, not only do we have 15 million cash, but also when we buy these properties, really, we have bought the land ahead of time. We're just essentially asking you to give us money to be able to help build on that land. So we own the land outright. So we have really over 50% equity in these properties. So even if things go wrong, they can only build half." and still sell them off and be fine. Not to mention they got extra cash reserves. So there's just that extra liquidity, extra savings that they have, not to mention extra equity in the in the property that allows it to really be a safer investment for you. Look for that as well. Look for that kind of thing. Um, go along with that equity. I would also say this, is that if you're ever lending money to an investor and they say, hey, I need money for a property that we're looking to renovate and maybe flip. Okay, great. If you're going to renovate that property, how much will it be worth after you finish it? it'll be worth, say it again, $300,000, right? Let's just say 300,000 after you finish it. They're asking to borrow from you $200,000. Well, that means that there's 100,000 of equity or should be at that point. That's good. That's not a bad thing. I would put that kind of borderline though, especially when you're dealing with projections and things like that, especially if things become more expensive, they don't always go the right way. That's better than someone saying, hey, I need to borrow 300,000. What's it gonna be worth after it's done? 300,000. (laughs) <laughs> now, most investors never do that, but I have had somebody say, I need 280,000, it'll be worth 300,000 afterwards. Ooh, that's less than 10% equity. There's a lot that can go wrong there. A lot of times you may not be able, to be able to get your money back because they won't be able to sell it for as much. So be careful for that very reason. So anyways, like I said, number one, credit, you know, what's their credit history, right? What's their track record? Number two, do they have liquid cash reserves? Then another two and a half, the bonus that I gave you is their equity. Then number three, number three comes down to this, is profit. When a bank looks at your situation, they'll look at your what they call the quote-unquote debt-to-income ratio, or DTI. Debt-to-income ratio is simply this, is what's the amount of income you have coming in compared to the amount of minimum monthly payments going out. right? So let's just say that you make $10,000 a month. If between your mortgage payment and the other loans that you have, you're going to be paying $5,000 a month, banks will likely say no. They'll likely say, nope, that's too much. We won't want to give you a mortgage because your debt to income ratio is too high. The debt is too high compared to the income that you have. We need those payments to be lower. And they usually don't want it to be more than about 45%, right? They would say, if you make 10,000 a month, you better not have your total payments, including your mortgage more, better be less than 4,500 a month, right? That's a hard thing for a lot of people, especially if someone's making 5,000 a month. Imagine that. That means you have to, you really only, be lent about $2,200 a month. So if you already have $1,000 a month going to car loans and credit cards or whatnot, well, now you only have about $1,200 a month you can do. Well, you should be looking at investments the same way. What's their profit? What if things don't go the right way? One of the scariest things that I see, especially right now with interest rates rising. See, before when interest rates were low, it was dirt cheap money. You can kind of be sloppy with the way you pick properties. And even if you weren't sloppy, still... If you could just say, well, I'll just get a variable rate loan. It's dirt cheap right now. It's the cheapest thing on the market. I'll get that. But then, of course, when you want to try to fix that financing and the interest rates skyrocket like they did in 2022 and 2023 now, you're going to say, oh my goodness, this is a lot more. This is taking out of our cash. Now we don't have enough money to even pay out in profits because all the profits that we had built into this model, what's happening is that it's taking all of our profits out, right? Because now we're paying more than we expected. That's a big, big assumption. So when you're looking at somebody to have you invest money, the thing you're going to look at with those deals are, okay, let's just say this is what you expect. Can't even give me a much worse case scenario. What if interest rates go up, say 4% in the next year? What would that do to you? And they say, oh, well, we do all fixed interest rate loans. It doesn't matter. Great. That's awesome. And you're still profitable. Yes. We still have profits built in. Hey, what if, if it's apartment building, for example, what if all of a sudden you have or 20% vacancy rate where basically 10% or 20% of your units aren't being rented or maybe people are going late and they're not paying you. What then? What would that do to your numbers? Have them run those projections and say, here's what happened at 20% vacancy rate, self-storage, right? That's the one that people are saying, this is recession resistant. And it can be. But again, when you buy it for a higher price, then probably what you're going to get in profits, just like some people when they try to buy rentals and then they realize there's not much profit there, they're going to say, ooh, is that worth it? Give you an example, I saw a rental, uh, this is going away from self-storage, but looking at a rental property, single-family home, I saw one today that they said they expect a profit of $63 a month. Now, I know they're taking out expenses and costs that they're projecting as well. That's not a lot. That's not a lot of wiggle room in case something does go wrong. What if you don't get paid rent for more months than you expect, or there's more maintenance what you expected than what you budgeted for? That could mean you could lose money. Now, yeah, you might see appreciation still. But that's been a game saver for some people, right? When there's appreciation, but you don't want to rely on that. You never want to rely on that. You really want to rely on, is it profitable right here? And if things don't go your way, is it still profitable? Do you still have extra money to pay out? Because again, if they're profitable, they can keep that deal going and going and going. It might pay you less, but at least if you're getting something, that's better than nothing, isn't it? So that's the third one. That's like debt to income ratio when you're trying to get a loan. Same thing. Are they profitable? So one, track record. Two, reserves. Three, are they profitable? How much profit is there really? Especially if things get stress tested. All right, number four, and this kind of goes along with the bonus I gave you, right? The bonus about leverage and having equity. Well, is it secured? Is it backed by real assets? The one thing I'll say is this, is that when it comes to investing, you want it backed by real assets. You don't want to be giving money to things that maybe have no real value behind it. For example, giving a business loan, it can have some good profits, But do you have any assets to put it on? This is why a bank will say, well, can we put a lien against your house, right? Just in case things don't go well, we can still get money from somewhere. Can we put a lien against the building that you're buying, right? They want real assets to back it up. Notice that banks do not lend for stock market. It's actually illegal, but they do not lend money for stock market because that's a gamble. They don't trust it. You shouldn't either. Two, they do give money for businesses, but they're very, very strict on that because they know it's unsecured. But three, They'll give you money for real estate. They'll give you money. Like I said, in some cases, businesses, but they will give you money for certain assets. Even a car is a car. does have some sort of asset backing up, even though it does depreciate over time. Right. Well, that's why real estate is one of our favorite things. It is secured. doesn't mean that that value can hold all the time, but it's much more likely to hold compared to crypto or compared to a stock, right? Where those can go up or down just based on rumors, right? It doesn't have to be real it just be emotions and people can cause your price to tank, causing you to lose money potentially. You don't want that. So you want to be backed and secured by real assets. That's why not just being backed and secured by real assets, but also have equity in them so that even if the values do go down a little bit, you are still protected. Your money is still safe. And that really leads to my fifth and final point, which is what position are you in with them? First position, second position, hopefully not third position, second's bad enough what do I mean by that? Well, think about getting a mortgage. When you go to the bank, you're going to put money down and then they want to be your only lender preferably, right? That'll be your first mortgage. First mortgage just means that if you don't happen to make the payment, they get paid back first, even before you, they get paid back first. Now, what if you get a second mortgage? Maybe you did a special loan where you'd put 10% down. And so they came with an 80% loan plus a 10% second mortgage. Well, what happens is if you stop making payments, The first mortgage, the person that's 80%, the bank that's 80%, they get paid off first. If there's anything left over, whatever goes to that person that has the second mortgage, that bank there. And if there's anything left, you might get something, but not likely. They're gonna sell it off. They're gonna take whatever money they can, right? That's what's gonna happen there. Now, if, for example, let's just say this is a $500,000 property. There's one bank that lent you $400,000 They gave you 50,000 while you put $50,000 down. Now, what if that house only sold for 400,000? Well, that first mortgage company gets paid off. Second mortgage company gets nothing. They lose out. This is why your second mortgage interest is usually higher than your first mortgage because they don't want to lose. So if you're an investor, you don't want to be in that second position because that means you're the second person to get paid if there's anything left over. You get left over with the scraps, right? The first position, the first person that gets paid back is essential. So a good question to ask that investment operator is, hey, is there another bank or some other lender that's involved here That already has loans that they would be in first position. So if I put my money with you, am I now in second position? So if all of a sudden things go wrong, you pay them back, but then I get nothing? Good thing to remember. I remember sitting at a meeting. This is about 15 years ago. This is when I was working with Garrett Gunderson, and he really wanted us to talk to these clients about this investment opportunity with the guy that owned the building that we were in. So the guy was saying, Hey, it's secured by the building. He says, You'll be in third position. That means there's somebody in first position that would get paid back first if things went wrong. There's somebody in second position, which is already risky. He says, well, I'm going to put you in somebody in third position. He's like, I'm going to pay great interest on this. And the money I'm going to use is going to pay off the other investors. It's going to pay them off. And I remember I raised my hand, asked a question. I said, what makes this different than a Ponzi scheme? Because you're just taking that money to pay off other investors, right? He's like, well, it's not a Ponzi scheme. There's a real asset here. His veins started popping out of his head. He got so mad, so angry at me that he actually wouldn't even let me rent an office for a whole year. I had to use a cubicle. Because he was so angry at me, that's how bad it was. Just so you know, flash forward about two years later—not even, barely even that—he defaulted. He lost sixty million dollars of investors' money in that same deal. Even when they were investigating it, I remember they brought me in for questioning. They wanted to depose me, and as I started answering the question, they said, "Hey, here's the email we saw you sent that saying you don't recommend this. We also see that we also had multiple witnesses that said you called it a Ponzi scheme." I said, "Oh yeah, I did, and that's why I wouldn't even get an office for a year." said, all right, good, you're safe, you can go. And we got some other people to investigate. And that's the thing, guys, you gotta remember is that you don't wanna be all the way down the pecking order, right? You don't wanna be so far down the pecking order that you're basically left with nothing. Here's the thing we don't care about. We don't care about getting return on our money as much as we care about getting return of our money back. So that's why you gotta make sure you protect it. So what position are you in? If you're looking to lend money, which by the way, to answer the question at the very beginning, what are some of my favorite investments right now? Giving money to those that are looking to lend, or borrow money from me to do certain deals, especially if there's high equity in those deals they are secured by real assets. Those are the kind of things I like to do. Short-term lending is a good one. There's some lending funds. And I don't mean like typical lending club type stuff. I mean, like I'm lending to guys that are actually buying real properties with it, not doing some gambling, like into businesses or car loans and things like that. I'm actually going into things that have real assets involved and I get paid double-digit returns very easily. Now, could it go wrong? Could something happen where they can't pay those returns? Yes, it's possible that it could happen. But because interest rates are going so high with banks, they're now looking more for borrow money from us and still willing to pay us a good return on our money too. So that's one way you can make good money even in this high inflationary type of market. So that's kind of my give for you guys today is remember those five things. Remember, first and foremost is that, do they have a good track record? Two, do they have liquidity? Do they have extra cash reserves? Two and a half. Is there uh, some extra equity involved too that allows you to have more security there? Three, what's their profit like? Can they be profitable even if things go wrong and still pay you back? Four, is it secured by real assets? And then five, last but definitely not least, is are you, if you're able to give them money, in first position? As a bonus to that last one right there, if you're in an equity deal, like a syndication, as they call it, where you put equity partnership in together, you go in as partners, just so you know, you're paid after those that are in those first lending positions. It's another reason why I like lending because during recessions, if there's ever risk, they may not pay me back. I would rather lend my money than become a partner where I'm paid back last. So that's my thing for you. Again, I like lending as well as debt funds, things like that. Lots of opportunities within our group. Even though we have a lot of uncertainty in the markets, there's still plenty of opportunities to invest and be able to create freedom for you not just about creating passive income. It's about giving you that time back in your life that you so deserve so you can be with those that you love now. Spend time with them to be able to build those relationships because you can't put a price tag on that, can you? Those are the kind of things that we go for. Go and make it a wonderful and prosperous week. We'll see you later. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.